up? This is Criminal Perspective. I'm Chris. On this episode, I'm going to be joined by Nico Clo, who's also known as the Vampire of Paris. What's known about Nico is that he murdered and robbed a man in the 90s. But there's rumors and allegations, as well as admissions from Nico himself, that he's engaged in cannibalism, blood drinking, and grave robbing. He's also admitted to attacking other people and is suspected by some of being a serial killer. So to say the least, he's a pretty interesting person. So I'm going to take a quick commercial break and I'll be back with the Vampire of Paris, Nico Clo. Shelter Farm Sanctuary is a registered 501c3 nonprofit vegan farm animal sanctuary located in Arcadia, Florida. I've known Mike and Jenny for about 15 years and their son Finn and they're some of the most down-to-earth people you could ever imagine. Over at their 10-acre spot at Shelter Farm Sanctuary, they rescue all sorts of animals from various situations like neglect, abuse, abandonment, and slaughter situations. From there, the animals are provided a safe forever home where they can live out free from exploitation, pain, and fear for the rest of their days. The sanctuary currently houses nearly 80 animal residents, including 18 pigs, 4 cows, 8 goats, 25 chickens, 4 sheep, 10 ducks, 2 turkeys, 6 dogs, a cat, and a giant 180-pound African sulcated tortoise named Hardline Eric. He's uh, pretty adorable and he looks like he's a million years old. But if you'd like to learn more about Shelter Farm Sanctuary's mission, their animal friends, or the ways that you can support the sanctuary directly, you can find them on Instagram at Shelter Farm Sanctuary, on Facebook at Shelter Farm Sanctuary, or on their website at www.shelterfarmsanctuary.org. Together we can make a difference for animals in need. Joining me now is Nico Klo. Nico you have obtained a very interesting moniker. You're known as the Vampire of Paris. Um, you've been convicted of murdering one man, and you're suspected of being a serial killer. Do I have that correct? Uh, it's been a long time since uh, nobody has ever talked to me about those uh, supposed other murders, but yeah, that's correct. This goes back to a murder that happened in, what was it, 1994? 1994, uh, October, October 5th, the 5th. Yeah, I can't remember exactly, but the beginning of October 1994, yeah. What was your life like going up to that? Did you, did you grow up in a functional, loving home? Because you were involved in some pretty out there stuff, a lot of people would think, as, as far as... Um, allegations of blood drinking, cannibalism, necrophilia. You're definitely robbing graves at the time. Um, what was your life like before that and before the murder? I grew up, uh, as a kid, I grew up in different countries. My father used to be an IT for a major French bank. Uh, so uh, he was sent to several countries around the world. So the family would follow. I'm a lonely child, no, no brothers, no sisters. So uh, I was a lonely child, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't get along with the other kids. Uh, I stayed by myself most of the time. Um, I was uh, really fascinated by everything occult, everything dark. Uh, back in the 70s, it was not a normal behavior for a kid. Uh, I'm 48 now. So yeah. 70s were tough when, when you were that kind of weird kid growing up, especially in countries such as uh, France or Portugal, where I lived for a while. I uh, was the, the weird kid that uh, nobody would talk to. So 
my my grandfather died when I was ten, and um, uh, he died during a, a badminton game. Game. Hmm. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, I insisted on him playing badminton, so uh, it was. Uh, he, uh, he, f- he fell down on the floor after a few uh, few strikes, and uh, he, he just died. Do you feel like you're responsible for his death or that you caused his death? Right. When it happened, no. But uh, my uh, mother, it was, it was her father, and my uh, grandmother uh, were talking about it all the time, and they said, yeah, he, he, he killed him. And I would hear that as a kid. So, yeah, it certainly had an impact on uh, me having guilt over it. So, I don't know. What really struck me about the whole, the whole experience was that uh, they sent me to, uh, to the ceremony, uh, the open casket ceremony. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, completely fascinated by the whole atmosphere. And this is the first time I ever, I think, that I ever became drawn to that kind of uh, deaf uh experience would you say that that turned into an obsession for you with death and the macabre and because you're still very much into it oh yeah yeah yeah. it became a lifelong obsession definitely uh maybe i don't know i'm the kind of person who believes that uh you're born that way so you you think you've always had this and and these certain events maybe helped push them out but they've always been in you yeah, it's always been in me the fascination for for the dark aspects of life. Uh, I wasn't abused as a kid, or I wasn't. Well, my parents were really cold; they, they wouldn't express much emotions. So maybe that had also uh, an effect on how I grew up and uh, on me being a lonely kid. Maybe your idea of abuse is is different too, because you tell me things like uh, hearing your family members saying these hurtful things, like "Oh, he he killed his grandfather" and this and that, and maybe that doesn't seem abusive to you, but you know, there's there's certain things like that that maybe you may not perceive them as abuse, but maybe they were abusive and did have a, a lasting impact more so than you realize. Um, yeah, that's what the shrink said when I went on trial. They, they insisted over that episode. It was really important uh, according to them in the making of uh, what I became afterwards. So, yeah, it, there, there definitely was a an impact. And, uh, yeah, yeah. But I do believe that it's cocktail. Uh, there's also some personality traits that were there before, and some some kind of uh, um, yeah, some kind of uh, attraction to to all this. I was a kid who would watch a lot of horror movies, mm-hmm. so yeah, some some stimulation there from it as well. Sounds like. Um, so going back to 1994, how old were you at that time? 22. 22. And then you were using, from what I've read, an early kind of form of the internet. You um, met this gentleman who you ended up shooting. And and you can tell me if this is true or, or correct to what happened. But from what I've read is that you encountered this gentleman that you had met on this online uh, type website thing. Um, yeah, exactly. It was like some kind of a grinder kind of thing, but before grinder. So this was for gay men. Yeah, I, I purposely was looking for a gay men, not because I'm homophobic or whatever, but I thought it was easier to approach them. And uh, it wasn't the first time I, I actually had 
you know, attacked someone. So I, I, I had uh, actually uh, attacked people with hammers in cemeteries, and uh, I was really into uh, into some kind of violent violent circle. Uh, and I had all those weapons at home. And mm-hmm. uh, about this peculiar incident, it was uh, a way of, you know, finding the best way to do it without getting caught. So, um, yeah, it was it was me experiencing several things. You have to, to also think that it was at the end of a certain um, uh, slope, a downhill slope that I was actually taking because um, I was working in a morgue back then. Uh, I still was uh, after that, but yeah. And it was my first year in a morgue, so I had all these experiences where I would actually uh, uh, interact with dead people. Uh, you're talking about cannibalism, and this is this is what happened back then. I wanted to try what human flesh tasted like. So, I, on a moral point of view, I was breaking many, many, many boundaries, one after the other. Aggressions, um, grave robberies. I had been doing this for three years or four years before I, I, I murdered this person. So yeah, there was. Uh, yeah. So all of this was very progressive into leading you into actually killing somebody. You were, you were conditioning yourself. Exactly. The actual, um, the actual fact of killing somebody was brooding inside of me for for years and years. Uh, I was uh, planning on murdering all my schoolmates when I was in school. When I was when I was when I was at school, and when and I, when I went to university, I planned on. Uh, uh, shooting people at the university. So I had all these separate planes uh, that uh, sometimes I would not, you know, execute. But uh, yeah. so going back to the murder, from what I've read, you met up with this man, shot him. He was still alive, although he was dying. You kind of rummaged around his apartment. And then did you shoot him again multiple times? multiple times because it was a 22 caliber weapon and uh when you shoot at with a 22 uh, with a short range the 22 is more effective when you shoot from a distance so the bullets would had entered the the skull from what the autopsy said but they they weren't enough to actually uh, kill him on uh, impact. Mm. So, he... so it took him a while to die. Yeah, I read that. I read that you found some cookies in his kitchen, and you just sat there eating cookies, watching him squirm around and die. Yeah, it wasn't actual cookies. I think I, uh, I think it was bread, just bread. But uh, yeah, yeah, I ate something. I just sat sat down on the corner and watched him die. Basically, what were you thinking at that time? Yeah, well, I, as I told you, I was uh, in a special mind mindset so for me it was like being a spectator of what i was doing it's quite strange but uh yeah i had uh, i knew that uh, what i was doing was totally totally wrong but at the same time it was i i lived it like some kind of uh, spiritual experience uh i felt close to the entities I was worshipping and 
uh, invoking in my uh, uh, black magic rituals. So it was part of some kind of spiritual experience. So intelligently, intelligently, you knew this was wrong, but emotionally, you were quite exhilarated by this. Oh yeah, totally. And still, I'm, I'm not. You know, uh, I, I know I take a lot of shit because of this because I'm totally heartless about about this this. Uh, Describe. Yeah, but it's no secret. You're wide open about all this. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally. Uh, I don't want to to sound like hypocritical. I don't want you know. There's plenty of people uh, in jail who are like who have remorse or show regrets or turn to God or whatever, but they're all, uh, they're all lying. Uh, I've met several serial killers behind bars. I've met uh, several uh, regular killers. And I've not met one single person who had uh, genuine remorse. When you're talking killer to killer, they're, they're just, you know, they're just bragging. They, they, they just love all that lot. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So let's let's get back to you. So at this time, you're 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 drinking blood, admittedly, um, engaging in cannibalism. Was necrophilia? Was that something that was going on with you? Uh, no, no, no. Well, I had sex with. Uh, co-workers in a morgue plenty of times yeah but uh, no never with corpses what you have to think what you people romantic they have a romantic idea of necrophilia but uh, dead bodies are totally gross totally gross they're extremely gross so yeah yeah absolutely no sexual uh, uh, attraction to corpses never had I mean except if Maybe if they had been freshly killed, I don't know. But uh, yeah, people who had stayed like two or three days in the morgue, absolutely no. Yeah, it's not erotic per se, but the environment is totally is, and uh, the fact of being in, in contact with uh, death and grief and uh, all these emotions and all this energy is uh, totally uh, uh, works on your sex drive totally, and every single. Mm, person that I've known who has worked in a morgue will tell you the same. Uh, the morgue in a hospital is the place where people uh, go to to have sex because it's isolated and there's some kind of energy to it that, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm. So you're saying it does happen, but you've never done it. Oh, no, me no, but uh, I've heard stories, plenty of stories. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I've never, well, I've seen, yeah, I've seen something. Yeah, there was this guy, but it, it was with his dead wife. He, he would visit her every every single day, and uh, I surprised him once uh, with his hands under a skirt. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, yeah. It happens. It happens. Yeah. So I, I I spoke with somebody recently who he's had basically lifelong fantasies about cannibalism and his thing with cannibalism. And and you can tell me if this applies to you as well. He explained it as this consuming somebody, having them be a part of you. It's this, it's a spiritual thing. It's uh, that's, and that's how he, he describes it. And and it's a very intense thing. Is that what it's really like? Well, it's definitely intense that now you have to, there's two, two different sides of the spectrum. It's either a love relationship with the person you're hating, or it's a hate thing. And uh, for example, warriors who cannibalize their, their, their prey or the, the, the people they kill on the battlefield, it's some kind of uh, 
uh, it's adding uh, uh, insult to injury, right? So it's part of a spiritual, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a spiritual experience, but it can be also a, a way of uh, showing hatred and uh, uh, a sort of contempt towards your victim. But then on the case of, I, will, I would say like Jeffrey Dahmer, then there probably was some kind of love, uh, well, not love, but uh, some way of infatuation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. A way of uh, sexualizing, sexualizing it, and uh, the same for the Japanese cannibal uh, Issei Sagawa, who shot uh, a student in Paris years ago. And yeah, he, he was uh, secretly in love with that girl, and uh, the only way he could have her was actually uh, shoot, to shoot her and uh, eat her. Were, were, were cases like Sagawa and Dahmer, were those things that you looked at and had great interest in when you were younger, before you had engaged in those very serious behaviors of murder and cannibalism and things? I was 12 when the Sagawa case happened, and it was in Paris, and there was a photo magazine uh, that showed the pictures of her in the morgue, cut up uh, with uh, the limbs completely separated, etc. So I was, yeah, I was about 11, 12 when I saw that. I saw the pictures, and I was completely fascinated by the uh, those pictures. And later on in life, I uh, I uh, became friends with him because we we started to correspond. And uh, yeah, he's quite a character. Yeah, uh, Dahmer. I was about. 21 or 22 when it happened and i had several body parts at my place so when they found the body parts at his place i was like hey so that was that so you're watching this thinking well this is somebody i can relate to because you're sitting there watching this guy on the news and you have fucking body parts in your house yeah exactly i i was like yeah but then yeah it's not yeah, it's totally not the same case, but uh, yeah, I could relate to this, that guy. Yeah, this whole time, and you're not, you're not Ted Bundy. You're not a guy who's blending in. You're a strange fucking guy, and you wear it on your sleeve. So this whole time, you're, you know, you're doing all this, this really fucking out there stuff, and you're not trying to like blend in or hide it. You're the fucking weird guy. You're, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like how I tried to blend in was when I, I got out of jail or prison. And I tried to find another job in a morgue. And I blent in for 15 years. So nobody at work would know my, about my past. I had a different name. Uh, I, uh, uh, they did uh, police checks, but I uh, had uh, um, fake uh, documents. And this is still in France? Oh, yeah, yeah, in France. Yeah, yeah, in Paris. Yeah, I've worked in 10, 12, 12 morgues in Paris. And nobody did actually know who I was, except a few people in the funeral industry who knew about my case from back then, yeah. but uh, they would shut up. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. What are people's reaction when they find out what you've done? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, it was, well, both of the places where I got fired were Catholic institutes. So, oh, yeah, wow. you can imagine now... <laughs> Yeah, it's probably not a good look for the Catholic Church to have the fucking vampire of Paris working for you. <laughs> Plus the fact they found out that, uh, of course, I was uh, actually doing black masses and weird shit at the morgue. And... Mm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was a major, major fuck up for them. And uh... So all the, all the occult stuff and all the stuff that you're doing at the morgue, not all of it, but some of it, you still did after you got out of prison. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty active in that realm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is it something that you feel you need to do, or what is it? Like, I mean, explain it to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's part of my spirituality. Uh, yeah, for example, my Saint Patron is this Santa Muerte. Yeah, I'm not Mexican, obviously. But uh, this is something I can relate to because I've been working with death all my life. I've uh, put uh, more than 10,000 people in their caskets. So I know a few things about death. This is, yeah, I, I, I live for death. I, I, uh, I live under uh, wings, so to speak. So, yeah, this is my spirituality and uh, um, still, still practicing Satanism and devil worship uh, because this, this is what I, I feel close to I'm not uh, I'm definitely I will definitely not go to heaven so why even try you know yeah if you can't you know if you can't rain in heaven rain in hell so what what is it about other murderers that hold your interest because this is something that you're still very interested in though as far as i know you're not killing people still you you have a very deep fascination and and you you are an artist now and a lot of your artwork is notable because you uh draw and paint notorious murderers so what is it about this that keeps you coming back or that keeps you obsessed with this stuff uh, I'm not uh, afraid to say that I'm a true crime fanatic. Uh, I love this shit. I, I really love watching true crime shows. So you and me are very much alike in that sense. Yeah. <laughs> so what's interesting now is that with the, 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 the new platforms, with Netflix, etc., there's a new audience for that. And what I like is, you know, I have a different approach as a consumer of true crime, of course, because of my past, etc. So I like to take it with a little bit of dark humor. And uh, this is why I do uh, the other stuff that I do. I do, uh, I have a line of uh, sex toys called Serial Pleasures. Uh, they are sex toys based on, uh, say, famous mur murder cases. There's, for example, the, uh, the Bandildo, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, so this doesn't, this doesn't, I see, I can never do this because I would be so worried about upsetting people and upsetting, uh, survivors of Ted Bundy's and things like that, that that's not something that you care about. I, I let's say I have a large back. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. I really don't care. People can come at me. I'm, I'm beyond anything. Well, that's hardly I, I, selling sex toys that are offensive is hardly the worst thing you've ever done in your life. So I think if people are getting upset about that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, the I, people who are upset about that don't even know about my case. So that's even funnier. Yeah. So when they, they do find out about my case, they all. Oh, yeah. You know, so I, I, I like the reaction. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, this, this is the, the, the stuff that I do. I, I do other stuff. also. I do a calendar. This, uh, next year, we, we come out. Is, is is this the one you did all the you do all the art for this? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, I do it with a, another artist called NHLF, and uh, we're putting up you know several uh, portraits each time. Yeah. yeah. So it's pretty cool. It's it's coming out soon. Um, I know you're doing tattoos for a while. Do you still do tattoos? No, not anymore. But uh, yeah, I used to, to do tattoos in jail. I've tattooed a serial killer in jail called uh, Claude Lastenay. Uh, he wanted a Medusa head over his shoulder. 
So yeah, that was interesting. I like the concept of Medusa for zero killer. So yeah, I did this, uh, but I'm not tattooing anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm mainly focusing on uh, on art, uh, painting. Uh, I also have a a, a book company. Uh, we publish true crime books, and uh, I'm publishing my own biography, which will uh, be published in uh, September. And there's uh, there's a, an English version coming out soon. Yeah, I can't wait to read that. That'll be interesting. So let me ask you now, because a lot of a lot of people subscribe to the mindset, and and I don't believe this is true. A lot of people will say that uh, serial killers can't stop killing. I don't think that's the case. I think they can stop. Oh yeah, they can. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's because the fact is, it's about. Uh, I think it's about. Take, Camper, right? Yeah. He killed because of his mother. That's obvious. So once he killed his mother, what was he le- left to? He went to the police. Yeah, that was the end of it. Didn't he? Didn't have to prove anything. And uh, I've met several uh, serial killers in jail who totally had lost the little flame in them. You can actually tell the flame by the eyes. When you meet a serial killer, if they still have it or not, and if the the flame is uh, not there anymore, that means that they they've done what they they, they had to do. They won't do it anymore. And uh, I I can tell by the eyes, and I can tell by the flame inside the eyes if the the person is prone to doing it again or not. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good about you know uh, finding out about the the dangerosity of people, you know, that way. I, it sounds like you have this. Oh, I have an obsession with true crime and and all this stuff. Yours goes far beyond that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I went over the border. Yeah. What is it that these days? How do you how do you dull it back down? How do you go from drinking blood, having body parts in your house, and killing people to now you just. I've decided to calm down. I'm just going to work in a morgue and do some art. How, like what, what, how, how do you go from that to that? Well, I'm an active player in the BDSM scene. So the, the, that's a way of, of, uh, you know, fighting gratification, of course. And, uh, um, so yeah, that's that, that's that. Uh, there's also the fact that, uh, um, Doing art itself is a, a way of expressing anger, uh, aggression. Uh, because so, uh, what people don't understand is that uh, sometimes violence uh, is a lack of. Uh, it means that uh, you have no words to describe how you feel inside, so you act act, act uh, violent. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? It's a way yeah, of yeah. expressing yourself. And expressing things that are deep inside you, and if you find other means to express those things, uh, like art or writing books, mm-hmm. uh, then you you may find your own redemption, and that, that that's what it's all about: finding your own redemption. I'm not talking about the religious sense of your redemption, because uh, redemption, the word redemption, is not owned by the Catholic Church. Redemption means finding your own inner peace. And if you find your own inner peace by doing what you were meant to do, but in a way that is not destructive or destructive for yourself or for others, then uh, you have a winner. Yeah. So, so Nico, as I was saying, my interest and your interests, they're the same, but they're very different. Why don't you take your knowledge and, and, 
all your experience and everything you know and uh, help people who are doing research and things like that. But instead, you take it to make Ted Bundy sex toys and 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 serial killer calendars. So I'm curious to know. Yeah, I'm curious to know why you choose one way as as opposed to the other. I think it's because people are afraid to approach me regarding that. I would carry. I would go to conferences to talk about myself and talk about, you know, what makes one person do that, and not the other. Because I really know the formula. Uh, I, I really do. I really do. Yeah. I've been through yeah. that. And, but I think people are, are, are scared shitless. Yeah, they're, they're scared of my reactions and they're scared of. Yeah, they 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 have this image of me of being uh, totally out of control. Uh, you know, I've I've done a TV show in Portugal uh, a while back, and uh, so they 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 flew me uh, over to Lisbon to shoot a few scenes, etc. In Portugal because I used to live there, and uh, when I, I climbed out of the air the, the airplane, there was two guys waiting for me, and uh, the producers and the, the the director, and there were two other guys wearing suits, black suits, black ties, etc. Like men in black, you know. And uh, <laughs> the producer told me that they were my, my chauffeur and uh, my uh, my personal assistant during the stay. And what I realized after that, they, they were actually paid by the production to keep an eye on me so that <laughs> I would not go uh, outside my hotel room and start killing uh, hookers or whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> that tells you a lot about the perception of people about me. That they're really, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they probably would like to have my input, but uh, yeah, they have their own. It's I, it is understandable. I mean, I've been I've been talking to serial killers and murderers for eleven years now, so I can have a conversation with you. I think you and I are very friendly. I think you're a friendly guy, but I can see how people are fucking terrified of you. I mean, let's let's leave the rumors alone and 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 let's just strip it down to the bare facts. The bare facts are that you like brutally fucking killed a guy. And, and I mean, not to mention, now let's go ahead and add the other stuff, the cannibalism, the blood drinking, the grave robbing, and uh, you know, and yeah, that's intimidating, man. Like I it, it had, had I not done what I've been doing for so long, I wouldn't be comfortable talking to you right now. I'd be like, holy fuck. I, I, I don't want that guy knowing who I am. You know, Chris, the, the most judgmental people I've ever met were in the metal and the gut scene. When I go to God clubs or, or metal metal gigs, there's always people talking about by my uh, talking uh, behind my back. Yeah, and they're scared shitless, and they're supposed to be into the same kind of stuff that I am, but they're the yeah. most judgmental. They're, they're the ones who will say, "Oh, he's giving us a bad name. Uh, we don't want him around us. Uh, he gives a bad name to vampires or gods." I'm not God, but whatever. Uh, they just don't want you associated with them. You're 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 so far extreme from what these people are doing, and it, it's. I get that all the time, all the time. And the less judgmental people are, normal people who are genuinely yeah. interested in my 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 story or my upbringing or my uh, what what I did uh, in life, and uh, yeah, th- those are the less judgmental. Yeah you're hard to uh, kind of nail down and, and people you're hard to figure out. You are, you're hard to figure out for people. And I think that, that, that can intimidate. Yeah. I think it intimidates a lot of people. Uh, like things that are black or white. 
They don't like, yeah. you know, uh, things that they, they, they can't. Well, I think, I think it makes them like, I know for me, it's nothing that, that you do per se, that makes me uncomfortable. I've, I've seen and heard everything, but it's things about you that I, that I question because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, wow, Nico's a really likable guy, but then I'm thinking I shouldn't, I shouldn't think like that because he's a fucking bad guy. So it's like, it's really, I don't, I think that you bring out things about, about themselves, you know, and then they don't like, I don't like to look at myself and be like, am I right or wrong for thinking that Nico is a nice guy? And yeah, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying about that. And, uh, yeah, it's a story of my life. There's people who uh, immediately connect and, uh, they, they, yeah, we have a good time and, uh, yeah. It's like you alter the sociology around you. It's this, the damnedest thing because you're so intense. I mean, it's like, have you, have you always been intense with everything? Do you go like full force with everything? You even when you were a little kid or because you seem like, yeah, I was deeply into horror movies. I was obsessed with them and I had this huge collection of VHS tapes. Uh, each time I uh, was focused on something, I, I wanted to do it, you know, yeah, to be, uh, to be the best at it. So yeah. see, I wonder, I wonder if you channeled that towards food, would you have become a great chef or, you know, like something like that? Well, it, I wrote a cannibal cookbook. So yeah. <laughs> cannibal cookbook. See, it's like, <laughs> holy fuck. It's like you can't tell is you you don't you don't get the opportunity to talk to very many people who are sitting joking about a cannibal cookbook, but they actually fucking ate somebody. So it's like it's weird. It's like, can I laugh at that? And I think that I think that makes it, it makes me uncomfortable. And I know like I get how people like when they know who you are and what you've done and shit like that, that they're just like, man, I'm really fucking uncomfortable around this guy. And it's not you. It's not that there's, I'm not worried about you, but it's like, man, this is making me like question myself. And that really fucks with people's heads. To question things and uh, not to stay just, uh, uh, passive around things. And it's good to ask your question, ask yourself questions. Is this good to laugh at this or is this, I mean, yeah, we're all human, and uh, I totally understand people who uh, are shocked or are totally uh, uh, morally uh, against what I, I am, and I totally get that. The only thing I, I don't like is uh, when they're judging me and when they, they never were affected by a crime or personally. And the, the only criticism I, get, I, I accept is uh, by people who... I've been a victims of uh, abuse or crimes or who have people in their family who are victims of crimes. This I totally accept and uh, uh, I totally accept that criticism. When, but when it comes from somebody who has never actually lived anything or who had a, a normal life. and You feel it's not valid. It's not valid. It's based on ideology and uh, moral issues that do not concern me. Uh, and it's based sometimes on religious, uh, principles that, uh, I totally despise. So yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're definitely an interesting guy. So, um, yeah, sex toys are there. Serialpleasures.com. So it's my website. I also sell murderabilia for people who are interested in buying true crime artifacts and letters. 
some of the the letters and drawings I got myself from other killers. Sometimes I sell for third parties, uh, uh, like people in the murder business do. Uh, I'm the only one who's doing it in Europe. Um, I'm also uh, painting on commission, so you can commission me anything. Uh, I'm even painting a cat right now, so you know. So it's not just murderers. <laughs> it's not only about murderers. I've painted wedding presents. Uh, I've painted uh, uh, plenty of different things. So yeah, yeah. Uh, quite you're, you're a talented painter. Where'd you learn how to paint in prison? Prison, yeah. Other inmates who taught me, and uh, yeah, it was uh, something first to kill time, and then uh, people asked me uh, for my art, so I was like, oh, cool. Um, so I started to paint uh, serial killers uh, because I, I thought the mug shots were really interesting in terms of uh, facial expressions. Uh, mug shots are the actual uh, moment of truth on the killer's face. Mm. You actually see all the emotions. They relieve what they've done. Sometimes the mug shot was taken a few hours after the murder. So it's really intense. And this is what I'm looking for when I'm actually painting a mugshot because uh, that's really interesting. I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And uh, as an artist who paints mugshot, I think it's one of the most interesting uh, portraits uh, to do. Uh, so yeah, I've no, I'm known for my, my, uh, my mugshots. Uh, I've also painted uh, autopsy scenes. So gory stuff. So uh, uh, I've done that too. Um what else? Uh, I have this uh, publishing company, so I publish true crime books. Uh, it's called Camion Noir. It's French, uh, so it's uh, basically uh, French books. Uh, but uh, I'm also working on my biography, which is coming out uh, uh, later this year. I'm also working, starting to work with... Uh, uh, I can't really talk about the project, but uh, there's talks with a, a uh, an American uh, director. Mm. Uh, that's the story of my life, so I, it will be next year. Uh, and when uh, we are ready to talk about it, well, I will make announcements. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I'm quite busy this year. 